We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Friday, February 10th, and we'll be talking a little bit more about uh, bankroll, bankroll management. I mean, I've gotten some, some questions in. Get your questions in. If you want a topic covered for the show, email questions at theoryofdfs.com. You'll see it on the, the bottom bottom scroll right there. I let I let uh, some questions, you know, rack up. And when I see uh, certain of the same ones over and over again, I try to cover them on the show. Of course, you could participate in the YouTube chat. As always, ask whatever you want. Talk amongst yourselves, whatever you'd like. Good morning to Wata, Suki Singh, Bart B, Defect, Daniel Hutchings, Kickstart. Give me those thummy thumbs. You know how much I like the thummy thumbs. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Talking about bankroll, I just saw the Daniel, Dirty Tenor. 
posted uh but what, what's what's on his uh twitter nerdy tenor a poll maybe we could get the poll let's let's see if we can get the poll right okay get my messages out of there so so what he did he did a, he just tweeted this out did a huge bankroll sim for his uh 2022 DK MLB season but and it, it's 211 slates and 1111 contests if your average if the average simulated return was x what was one standard deviation okay so what does that mean so like simu- simulating the contests out over and over and over again right simulated return not actual return the actual simulated return was x what's one standard de- deviation over right what fills what fills that 68% chunk so what was one standard deviation is it 0.3 x 0.7 x 1.5 x or 3 x what should we go for how what's the what's the one standard deviation so like if a simulated return was uh let's say simulated return i'm assuming simulated return of a raw of a monetary amount Average simulated return was what twenty thousand dollars or something. I, I I believe that's what we're talking about, like a raw money return. What was one standard deviation, up or da- up or down? I guess from that, I would I would have to say it's larger, right? What's one standard deviation for for MLB especially? I mean, if I'm getting this question, if, I, if I'm understanding this question right. That it's not, we're not talking about like an ROI number, ROI percentage. Maybe Dan could confirm in the, in the, in the, in the YouTube chat. No, Peter Corey, it's not fighting Friday. I'm sorry. That the, the, the orange background on the, on the thumbnail and the description. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not playing MMA tomorrow. I'm going to, with, 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 Roto Grinders is having a big Super Bowl every year. Well, they didn't do it the past two years, but whatever. Whole get together, everyone in Roto Grinders in Nashville. So I'll be driving down. I'll be participating in the festivities down there. So we'll not be playing the MMA slate. And uh, my policy is if I'm not playing the slate, I, what, what 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 type of advice can I give you, right? If I'm not invested in the result, right? I'm not I'm not doing the same amount of work. So I have no idea. It's a good should be a good good main event, right? Volkanovsky versus uh, Islam Makachev. I, I want to see it. I want to watch it. But no, I won't be covering that. Okay, it's in raw dollars, Daniel Hudson says. So what one standard deviation, the whole thing? The whole, this is the, the we're talking about one standard deviation up and one standard deviation down. So so we're talking about if if for what, let's just, let's call it a hundred bucks, right? To make it easy, right? So if the simulate, average simulated return was a hundred bucks, what was one standard deviation? What is it three hundred dollars? Right, which means it goes anywhere from four hundred to minus two hundred. Right, is it one hundred and fifty dollars? Right, so that's two fifty to minus fifty dollars. If is it point seven x? So that would be what seventy bucks in each direction, or thirty bucks in each direction. It's, it's not, I don't think it's thirty or seven. I mean, to me, to me, my I'm thinking it should be three x. For the entire, for 211 slates and 1,111 contests. I think I, 
I I oh I always think that the variance in, in DFS is way way higher, right? So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna guess three x, right? I'm gonna guess three x, uh, which uh, out of fourteen votes is uh, coming through at forty two point nine percent right now. Maybe Daniel can tell us the right answer on the show. On the show, he could cheat the poll. I have to I have to think it's I have to think that you that you could simulate two hundred eleven slates and with the, how top heavy gpps are that you could lose money that easily i mean just like if 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 you say having simulated return was let's say fifty thousand dollars i could see that you know one standard deviation is two hundred thousand dollars or minus hundred and fifty thousand dollars that's what i think i don't know maybe nerdy tenor has a has a a better process i i maybe it's 1.5 x i mean i I can't see it's 0.3 x that narrow? That narrow? If, if At least if I'm understanding this right. There's so much variance in DFS. It's ridiculous. With, in GPPs especially. If this was cash games, this would be a different story. Cash games, I could see it being 0.3x. Yeah, yeah that, that, I, that I could see that. GPP is almost, I, I can't possibly. I, I would think it'd be higher than this. <laughs> I would think you could tell me 5x. And maybe that's the right answer. That's at least that's at least uh, from from my perspective. But a nice little little poll here. Go to go to twitter.com slash nerdy tenor. Go follow him. Check out the poll. Yeah, 23 hours left. No one's gonna no, no one's waiting 23 hours for the answer. I'm gonna forget what, what I'm gonna forget about the poll by that point. Okay. But this this is the this is the highlight of like what when people talk about bankroll management. To me, bankroll management is about surviving variants. Okay. That's really what it is, surviving variance. And there's the amount of variance in DFS is ridiculous, is absurd, especially if you play GPPs, especially. I mean, and, and the top-heavy stuff, the large field top-heavy stuff, the variance is ridiculous. Oh, we're getting more poll results in. Oh, mm. The variance is ridiculous. So when people are like they're playing 10%, 20% of their bankroll, I think that's, I think that's, it's, that's nuts. I think it's nuts. Unless, unless, unless you have small bankrolls and you don't mind replenishing them, I just, I just don't know how you could, how you, how you could throw in that big of a percentage of your bankroll and be able to survive variance. Because <coughs> you could have an edge. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Let's say there was a hundred-sided die. Okay. A hundred, so let's just say there was. I don't know if there is. I don't think there is a hundred-sided die. Maybe it has to be a big one to have all those sides. Hundred-sided die. If you guess the right number on a hundred-sided die, what's the proper odds that you should be getting? A hundred to one, right? Right. That's what you should be getting paid. Hundred to one. Let's say, let's say you're getting a thousand to one. You're able to place a dollar bet or whatever bet. You get the right uh, 83. I'm uh oh, let's see what does it come up. Oh, it came up 17, right? Let's say you were getting paid a thousand to one. Great big edge. That's humongous edge. Humongous edge, right? On average, every hundred rolls of a dollar, right? You'd lose $99, and then one you'd win a thousand. And you'd be up 900 bucks or so. Right? Huge edge, humongous edge. But let's say you only let's say your bankroll was only two dollars, and the minimum bet you could only bet a dollar. Doesn't matter how big your edge is. 
What's the likelihood of you going broke, quote unquote, assuming that you're not replenishing your bankroll? You need a bankroll of two bucks. I mean, do the math, right? 99% of the time you get it wrong on the first roll. 99% of the time you get it wrong on the, the second roll, right? So multiply that, right? There you go. There's the likelihood of you going broke. Right? What's the likelihood of not going broke? Well, 1% you're going to be right and 1% for the next roll also. Okay? Because you only have $2. Now, let's say you had $10. Well, now you get 10 rolls. The likelihood of you going broke is still absurdly high. Right? You're going to get it wrong 99% of the time on each on each roll, 10 times in a row. And then you're out, of, you're out of money. 10 bucks, you're gone. Let's say you had 20 bucks. Okay. As you as your bankroll gets bigger, right? In this scenario, that you could bet a dollar. You could bet more if you want, right? You could bet I could I have $20. I'm gonna bet 20 bucks. Because look how big of an edge I have. Yeah, but once your 20 bucks is gone, you, it doesn't matter. It could pay a million to one. You have zero dollars. It doesn't matter anymore. But let's say, let's say you had $100,000. Would you bet $100,000 on one roll of this? No. The chances of you go of you going broke is 99%. Right, because you only have that one bet of $100,000. Yeah, yeah, if you, if you get paid 1000 to one on it, yeah, it's great. So if you have $100,000, how about 50000 a roll? Well, now you're still down to, you're still two rolls. The chances of you going broke is still... 90, 98%. Assuming that you could roll this die as, as often as you want, right? Time every five seconds or something, if you want. What's the what's the proper amount that you should be betting? You could bet a dollar. You have $100,000. You can roll this die every five seconds. Feel free to just bet a dollar. What's the chances of you going broke now with $100,000 and you're betting a dollar? On a, on a die roll, that's 101 to happen, but you're getting paid 1,000 to one. The chances of you going broke are absurdly small. I mean, un, unreasonably small. Like, it, it, virtually, it will virtually never happen. Same bet, same bet, same edge. But because, like, it, like, the, like we, take, we take GPPs or something where it's like, Maybe you have an edge where you're getting paid, you know, 500 to one, a thousand, you're getting paid 5,000 to one on a 1,000 to one occurrence. Like that's what GPPs are like, but you have to survive a thousand occurrences on average. And I'm not saying that you're going to bank a GPP once in every thousand. There may be stretches where you go 3,000 without, without a first place win or something like that. So bankroll management is about one having an edge. We talked about that yesterday. If you do not have an edge, it doesn't. There's no bankroll management that can save you. There's nothing. I'm a negative seventeen percent player. Oh, the, the, how what? How much percent of my bankroll? Zero percent. You shouldn't be playing, right? If you're not a profitable player, there's no bankroll management thing that'll make you profitable. It won't. It's just a matter. Of, do you want to lose slow? Right? How fast do you want to lose? But if you do have an edge, that's the first thing. Having an edge, being profitable, playing profitably. 
Number two is about surviving the variance. Now, when we talk about cash games, right, double ups, head to heads, the variance is much lower. You don't have to survive as much variance. You still have to survive variance. But since it's lower variance and the smaller a sample size you need to have your theoretical, your actual ROI match your true ROI, you could play more of your bankroll. Assuming you have an edge, assuming you're profitable. Number one, people don't talk about. People don't don't think about it, right? They ask questions like, uh, what percentage of my bankroll? I go, well, what's your edge? And they go, I don't know. Well, if you don't have an edge, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter if you don't have an edge. And then your edge may be different in different sports. We talked about that yesterday, different types of slates. Well, I'm good at this sport, but bad at that sport. So you know what you do in the good sport? You play X and in the bad, in the bad sport, you play nothing. You don't play anything. You don't play it at all. Do you have an edge? No. Can you play players worse than you in that sport? Even though you're not, that's not your best sport. Can you have an edge over other opponents? If you can, then that now, now, now we're starting to talk about how much bankroll. Now, now we're starting to talk about that. We've seen in the past, and it's still it's 2023, and people still talk about this 80-20 bankroll. 80%, 20%. People almost parrot this as if they don't understand that just all because that's what other people say. They don't get it. Or people are trying to explain it correctly. But it's not none of this is one size fits all. How much 80 percent cash, 20 percent GPP. Well, where does that come from? Well, that comes from a long time ago, a long time ago. We're talking about 10 plus years ago. Most of these sites didn't have large field GPPs, okay? Most sites didn't. A lot of it was just just double-ups, triple-ups, quintuple-ups, head-to-heads. It was mostly that, okay? That's what was called cash games. It's a poker. It comes from poker. Cash games and tournaments, right? Those are poker terms. GPP, DFS turned it into GPPs because it was a guaranteed prize pool. They started doing those where it's like, oh, we're... It's a lot of spots, but there's a guaranteed prize pool, and there was a be, be a lot of overlay in those contests. This is 10 plus years ago. So the 80-20 rule came in because you know people were playing everything. Like back then, if you had an edge, you had an edge in everything. Right? It was much easier. This is pre pre-publicly available projections, pre-people knowing anything of what they're doing. I mean, you could play. NBA, as long as you knew who was in, you probably were profitable. Because people were playing guys that were injured, that were out, that were resting. You'd have a 21% on player that was on the injury report three hours ago that wasn't going to play. People played him. Right? So you had an edge no matter what you played, practically. So in order to survive variance, it's like, well, 80% of my bankroll go towards cash games, which is much lower variance. And 20% will go towards the, you know, the GPPs, the larger field stuff, the, you know, tournaments that can pay out a good amount of money. And if I have like a 10% ROI in my cash games, like 80% of my bankroll is going towards that. So I'm building that up and using that profit to spend on the 
the 20% that I'm playing in GPP. That's where it comes from, the 80-20. It's to, to smooth out the variance of your play. You could play 100% of your bankroll in GPP. You could. That you allocate on a slate. But the percentage of your overall bankroll would have to be smaller to survive that variance. So in order to help you survive variance and make a little bit of money along the way, that's where the 80%, 20%, the 80-20 bankroll came in. Some people at 75, 25, 85, 15, whatever, somewhere around there. Like I said, there's no one size fits all solution. And it's not a solution because what, what does that not take into account? 80-20. It doesn't take into account the number one thing is what is your edge? Imagine me telling someone that you should play 80% in cash and uh, what, what do I do this coming MLB season? 80% in cash, 20% in GPP. Oh, okay, great. It's like, well, you're going to play 80. Let's say you're playing 100, 100 bucks a night. Uh, 80 bucks in cash and 20 bucks in, in GPP. Like, do you have an edge in cash? Who are you playing in cash? Do you have an edge above the rake? This is above the rake. Are you profitable? Oh, well, you're profitable in GPP. Oh, like then these numbers don't matter. If you're not a profitable player, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. And let's say, oh, I'm, 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 a, I'm a good GPP player, but I really don't play cash. So why are you playing 80% of your bankroll and uh, allocation on a slate in cash? Why? Do you have a positive return long-term in, in that, in, in that? Yes or no? If it's no, then why are you doing it? Or is it your contest selection? Oh, I'm gonna play eighty. I'm gonna play eighty dollars out of my hundred in cash and play head to heads against McLovin. Like, why would you do that? Like, there's that. There's no edge. Even if you even if you play just the the, the straight up, you know, Roto Grinders optimal, blood the bat optimal median lineup. There may be so many people in your contest or in your head to heads that are playing a lineup that's a two v two off of that or something very close, then you, neither of you beat the rake. And you're going to play 80% of your bankroll allocation in that? You're losing money! You're losing money! If you, if you could find, if you could allocate your $80, your 80% or whatever, against people where you have an edge over the rake, then sure, okay, then I, then I, get, then I get it. Maybe it's enough of an edge that you don't even play GPPs, right? You don't have to play GPPs. You don't have to play cash games. The same thing applies to the 20% part of your bankroll, the the allocation on a slate also. What GPP should I play? The ones that you have an edge in. Do I play small field? Do I play large field? Do I play this? Do I play three max? What's your edge? I don't know. Well, then... There's, there's no answer. Then there's no answer for the question. Because if it's negative, then you're, the answer should be zero. Simply zero. Right? If you don't have an edge, you shouldn't be playing. Unless you're playing for entertainment. So it's like, oh, should I play one large field entry, one small field? Where's your edge? Like, there's no correct answer to that question. Well, what would you do? And this, this is what ends up happening. People ask me what I do which is useless. Asking me what I do is useless. Okay? Absolutely and unequivocally useless. 
like I said yesterday, you know what I do? I already signed up for head-to-heads in, in soccer DFS for tomorrow's EPL slate. It's five-game slate, 10 in the morning, Eastern. I'll be playing, I'll be making those lineups, and then I'll be driving to Nashville. Well, what do you do there? Well, I play a heavy, heavy amount of cash. I play 90-plus percent in cash and 10% in GPP in soccer DFS. Oh, that's what I'm going to do because that's what you do. Yeah, What's your edge in soccer DFS? I've never played soccer DFS. So what the hell are you doing what I do? What is your edge? There are other people that are in golf. They do X. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to do that in golf because I don't have an edge in golf. So it doesn't matter what I, what do I do? It also depends on how much percentage of your bankroll are you playing on a slate in the first place? I'm going to play 20% of my bankroll. Maybe, maybe you should play more cash games. Good luck surviving variants. If you're playing 20% of your bankroll in large real GPPs every slate, you're probably, you'll probably be broke by the end of this video, right? Or something. I mean, by the end of the month, by, by doing that, the likelihood of you surviving variants is very low. But if you have a return in cash games, sure. Then if you want to play 20%, I mean, then hopefully have a heavy amount of it is in cash games. Even then your risk of ruin is way too high. But asking what someone else does doesn't, well, what's their edge? What do you do in MMA? It's like MMA, I don't play, like people ask me, you don't play, I don't play MMA cash games. Typically. And maybe every once in a while. Oh, why don't you play? You you don't play cash games in M- MMA, but you do in NFL. Yeah, in NFL, there's a lot of a lot of soft money in NFL. It's the most casual sport, right? There's still plenty of good players. There's still plenty of dead money in there. So I don't mind playing a heavier heavier amount on FanDuel, DraftKings, and cash games. And although there's a huge edge in the Millie Maker, it's just very hard to realize that edge. A lot of times I'm focusing on the the spy, the hundred dollar spy, the hundred and fifty dollar power sweep, those types of contests. I may throw I may throw those lineups into the milli because they're still they're still plus EV even from a min cash perspective. That's how that's how soft the milli maker is. Well, what you, I'm going to do what you do is like, well, do you have an edge in the contest that I'm playing? I don't know. Though so if you don't know, then don't do it. It doesn't matter what what, what I do. There was one season in NBA that I just pretty much just played cash games on both sites and I just ran the optimal. And I made 20, 25 grand just doing that. Well, should I do that? I mean, you can. Do you have an edge? That's the first, the first thing you should be at. Do put your money where your biggest edges are. That's it. That welcome, welcome to gambling. Welcome to be being an advantage player. Right, if you're an advantage player like uh, in casinos, put your money to where your biggest edges are. My biggest edge may not be your biggest edge. Your biggest edge I may be horrible at. I mean, like, it, where is it? I've explained before about, you know, the, the triple up three-man, five-man exploit in sports where a lot of people are playing, like, the aggregate optimal. Like, you could predict their lineups very easily. And and they make the mistake because of their volume of playing that lineup, which would be fine in head-to-heads and double-ups, is suboptimal in 3X and 5X type contests. 
So I exploit that by playing as as combinatorically different lineup with the highest projection against them. And my lineups have immense EV. Well, can I do that? Yeah, you can. Do you have an ad? Do you, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> if you know what you're doing, then do it. There's an edge there. Too many people do it, then there's no more edge anymore, right? Everyone's trying to do that. And next thing you know, every every lineup is uh, equal EV and you're all losing money to the rake. Right? People, people, people are are they they get attached to like 80, 80, 20. I'm gonna put 80% and 20. Like there's a plan. Like there's like if what is what is the plan? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look on the DFS pregame show. I'm gonna go to Roto Grinders. You know, rotogrinders.com, I'm going to sign up for the combo premium subscription. Get all the sports, get all the ownership numbers and the projections and all the everything. All the, the gridiron IQ, the slate IQ, all the all the simulation tools, all everything like that. You could do that by clicking on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. I'm going to get all that. And then they're going to give me the plan. Right? So I enter this contest and I enter that. And if I just did this, then I make money like they make money. I wish it existed. Like if, if there was a plan like that, I would never tell you. I wouldn't be here, right? Right? If there was if there was something that simple, I'd I'd, I'd be I'd be recruiting friends and getting commission from their accounts, right? I'd say like Lou, dude, you don't even have to know anything about sports. Here's this plan. You just go this plan and you make 8% on your, your money or something, whatever. Just do that. Right. I get my, I get my wife, my wife opens up an account, right? Her, her friend and his, his, her husband. And it, it, it. yeah, I'd love that. That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. There's no plan. What, what entries and what contest? There's no plan. What is your, what are you strong at? I mean, we see, we see that in 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 any any sport. But we can take NFL since it's you know just recently. That people are just like, okay, I'm going to aggregate projections, and here's my cash line, double up lineup. We have some weeks where no matter what you look at, what projection set you look at, the optimal lineup is essentially the same. Like there's going to be so much duplication, it's ridiculous, right? There's some mispriced running back. There's a wide receiver at 3,300 that he's now going to be the number one receiver on their team. The defense is a $2,300 defense that's mispriced, right? Because the opposite quarterback is out now. And, you know, we didn't know that till Monday. And next thing you know, it's like, essentially you're playing this lineup or maybe the 2v2 off of that. Maybe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Then everyone just rushes into like the head-to-head lobby and everyone plays and play like you, you go, you go into your contest, you, you play a thousand dollars in volume in, in cash games, right? You're playing 150 head-to-heads and 128 of them are ties. And on DraftKings, you get your rake back. On FanDuel, you do if you email them in. So it's, it doesn't hurt you. But it's like, what's the purpose of that? $1,000 in volume. 1,800 of it against people that it's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie against. So how much volume did you really play? You didn't play much. You really didn't play much. What was your edge? Didn't exist. Your edge didn't exist at all wasn't negative, but it didn't exist. On a slate like that, we have an NBA slate. This guy's out, this guy's out, that guy's out. You run the Roto-Grinders meeting optimal, it's X. You aggregate, you look elsewhere, and it seems to be the same, seems to be obvious. You go, oh, it's obvious. I'm going to play a lot in cash games. Like, no, there's no edge. You know what you should be doing? You should probably be playing 3Xs and 5Xs and hopefully going against duplicated lineups like that. That's where the edge would be. To not play head-to-heads. To not play these games. To play GPPs on those days. Right? On the days where, like, wow, cash lineup tough. Yeah. There's not much value out there. I got to make choices between these 3v3s and 4v4s. Oh, this sucks. Right? This sucks for cash. No, it's great for cash. That's where your edge is. GPPs, it would be would be poor. People think the opposite. Most people think the opposite. Exploit them. Don't be one of those people. When it's really easy to build a cash lineup, really easy, you're like, wow, this is really straightforward. People get that warm feeling going, oh my God, this was so easy. Like, I'm just going to play a lot in cash because it was so easy. Well, if you could find the people that make absurd mistakes because it seems so obvious to you. 
Sure. But how many of those people exist? If you could find those people, yeah, play play a $500 head again against some schmuck that does that, you know, isn't going to play the lineup that's going to be duped 284 times and double up. Yeah, if you can, that would be great. But most of the time you can't. So on the on the slates like that, that's a horrible cash slate. That's a it's a horrible cash game slate. Right? When every it's a, it, every half the half the field is playing a lineup or two v two off of it. Those are good for GPPs because those guys are going to be way over-owned. Those combinations are going to be way over-owned. It's going to make you feel like in, in, in cash, it makes you feel good that like, oh, this was so easy to do. And then in GPP, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to play GPPs because there's so much value here. How do I, how do I fade some of these people? Right. I don't have to fade them all. It seems like it's so obvious that this is the lineup. Like, man, maybe I'm doing 2v2, but how do I fade three of these guys or four of these guys? And you feel uncomfortable playing GPPs. That It should be the opposite. From an edge perspective. Because in cash games, what ends up happening is that, yes, everyone is playing pretty much the median optimal, and no one's making money. Right? No one's really losing money, but no one's, like, losing a lot. But no one's beating the rake anymore. So what the what's the purpose? What are you doing? There's no edge. In GPPs, what's going to happen is that people are going to be like, well, I got to play six of these guys. Right? So the leverage available on, the, on those slates is immense. Like, dude, as long as I don't have this combination, like I could play God knows how many lineups. This is a great GPP slate. You just have, you can't be scared to fade a couple of these people that seem unfadeable. Just got to do that. It doesn't feel comfortable. If it doesn't feel comfortable, that means it's a good slate for it. That means you can you you can have an edge. And think the vice versa. On a slate where it feels like you can't make a valid cash lineup, it seems like where's the value? Everyone seems this guy seems overpriced. It seems like no one's everyone's priced well, efficiently. You go, oh, I'm, now I'm going to play GPP. I'm like, no, it's the opposite. On a slate where you can make like. 10 different cash lineups and it, they all seem pretty decent to me. You know, you run it through through lineup HQ and the difference between the top optimal and the 20th optimal is less than a point. And it shares like four different players in all these different spots. Now you have an edge in cash. Now you're not going to get as much duplication in cash games. That's where, that's where they're at. Now, now you can beat the game over the rake. GPPs is going to be tougher. Why? Because since the pricing is so much more efficient, as long as you spend all your salary, I mean, pretty much the lineup differences between, you know, most of the lineups in the contest isn't, isn't going to be isn't going to be much. Where do you find leverage where everyone's price is efficient and everyone's ownership is fairly efficient? You can't. Like I could randomly select a 50K lineup and it'd be just within the rake of any other 50K lineup. That would be a poor GPP slate. It feels like, oh, because, oh, well, I can play so many different combinations. So it feels like I could play 100 lineups. Yeah, but 100 lineups at a negative EV. And in cash games, it's like, I don't feel comfortable because there's so many choices for me to make. Well, that's where the edge is. Okay? You have to think in that direction. 80-20, did I mention any percentages in any of that? No. The slate coming up, What? What? where is your edge? 
And how much money do you want to allocate towards those edges? That's what you should be thinking. Not 80% in cash, 20% in GPP. As if there's this like one size fits all or type of type of thing. MLB will be coming up. There'll be some, there'll be some slates where I may play a heavy amount of double ups. There may be some slates where I play none. There may be some slates where I I play large field GPPs. There's some slates where I may only play small field GPPs. There may be some slates where I play, I'm gonna go, oh, I'm going heavy into triple ups and quintuple ups. There's some slates where I'd be like, I want to play as many head-to-heads as possible. You go like, like what? What does that? What does that mean, Jordan? Is that what I should do? No, I identifying where the edges are on a slate, and and the opponents, because right, that's the number one thing that affects your profitability. Your opponents on these MMA cards, a lot on the larger MMA cards, I take a look. I don't play MMA cash much, but I do take a look at the lobby. And if I could find some some schmuckier people in there, in the head-to-heads or whatever, maybe I do, maybe I do play some cash. If if I if I feel like the cash lineup that I am playing is the best cash lineup and it's going to be different from other people's lineups. Right? Or sometimes I use that as my like single entry. A lot of times in MMA, if I were to play like 3X, 5Xs and, and head-to-heads and a, a bevy of head-to-heads, I would essentially play an unstacked main event lineup. Like that's all you really really need to do because a lot of people, they stack the main event. That makes sense in a lot of occasions. And then they build the, the other four spots from there. And then me, I just go, let me pick the winner from the main event and then build the other one. Have some upside there. Something like that. Like you could just do that. That there's an edge in that. If you could do that well, can you? If you can't do it well, then you're negative, and it doesn't matter what your bankroll management is. So I want to dispel these myths. These eighty twenty. How much should I have here? And people ask me, like, how much? Per, what percentage of my bankroll? I get that question so much, so often. I have two thousand dollars. How much percent of my bankroll? It's like you're not asking the right questions. First question asked is, what is your edge? Where does the money come from? Right? We talked about that a month ago. Where does the money come from? Where is your edge? Is your edge in every sport going to be the same? No. On every slate, is it going to be the same? No. Do you even know that you have an edge? I mean, like, that's that's like the number one thing. How long have you been playing? I've been playing for four years. Okay. Do you play NBA? Do you, do you play NBA often? Yeah, yeah. I played for four years. Okay. What's what's your ROI and GPPs? Minus seven percent. So I go. Okay. So what 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 do you want to know? How to how to lose slower? I mean, that's if you played for four years, then you have a minus seven percent ROI. Then it's, it's quite possible you just you have no edge. You you're negative. You're negative, dude. You're negative. Well, how much percentage of my bankroll? You know what the real number is? Zero. The real number is to stop playing DFS. <laughs> I mean, that's the answer. Unless you're trying to get better, but then you're, you're spending money to get better. Cash games, it's it's easier that that your 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 actual ROI is closer to your true ROI. You tell me, I have a three percent ROI in cash games over five years. I'm like, okay, well, now you have a number to attach to it. 
Do you have that? Do you, do you have that spread out over different slate sizes and everything? Do you know any of that? No. Well, look into it. Maybe it turns out that most of your most of your profit in cash games comes from larger slates and not smaller slates. Right? Maybe it turns out that you know you're, you're making money in these spots, this sport over that sport. And you go, oh yeah, I looked it up. I looked it up, and it seems like like large NFL slates. I have a healthy ROI, and the small small NHL slates, I'm actually negative over a large enough sample size. And so you know what that tells you? Put more money into large slate NFL and don't play NHL small slate anymore. And the money that you would be playing in NHL small slate, take it away and put it into the NFL large slate, right? I'm good at M- I'm good at small MLB slates, but the large MLB slates I'm not as good with. I'm profitable in both. One, one I'm 2% and the other I'm 7%. It's like, well, do you play the same amount on all those slates? I go, yeah, I do. Well, now you know not to. Now you know that on the smaller slates, play more. And on the larger slates, play less. Same amount of allocation over, you know, long run. If you're like, I play $500 a slate, no matter what it is. It's like, maybe you should play 700 on the small slates and 300 on the large slates. Because you apparently you play, you play better over a large sample size. You have to think in those terms. Where is your edge? What is it? How do you measure that? Then you could then you could figure out what your bankroll allocation should be on a slate. Then you could figure out how much percent of your bankroll that you play on a slate. Do I play three percent? Do I play seven percent? Do I play one percent? People want this 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 correct number that doesn't exist. Let's say you have a seven hundred million percent edge in this in this. You should be playing ninety percent of your bankroll. Do you have that? No. So then you shouldn't be playing 90% of your bank. I mean, like, what what is your edge? My edge is going to be different from your edge. Typically, I don't play small slates. Not because I'm bad at them. It's because I have a bigger bigger edge in larger slates. So you know what I do? I play more in larger slates than I don't play the small slates. And that's the reason. It's not that, oh, well, why don't you play everything? I mean, I can. But then I would have to devote more percentage of my bankroll in order to do that. And being that I'm typically on the conservative side, my attitude is, is that if there's an MLB, that 12-game MLB slate, but there's a three-game night slate out of that. I, I typically don't play the three-game night slate. The money that I would have played in the three-game night slate is in the main slate. Instead of splitting that up. That's the difference because I have a better, bigger edge in the main slate than I do in the the night slate. That's the reason. If I want to keep to my bankroll management limits, percentage of my bankroll playing these contests, then that's what I need to do. How much are you playing on this versus that? For like people, MMA, I don't play, I don't play the, uh, the, the captain mode. People ask me about that with the UFC. You playing captain mode contests? That's to televise. Typically, you know, it's, it's the last nine fights, last eight fights with a captain, similar to showdown. I go, no. He said, why? You don't think you don't think you could win those? I go, no, I think I could win those. 
but I'd rather play $4,000. If I'm going to allocate $4,000 to this MMA slate, I'd rather all 4,000 be in the classic, be in the, the, the main MMA contest, rather than 3,200 in the main, 800 in captain mode, right? That's the reason, because I have more of an edge in the classic. That's it. That's the only reason. Well, why don't you just put an extra thousand? Well, then now I'm past my percentage bankroll limit. Right? Now I'm past it. I'm max, I'm maxing out where I have the biggest edges. While still keeping within a certain percentage of my bankroll, so my risk of ruin is is very low. And I tend to be more conservative than most DFS players. I think I'm correctly conservative. I think mo- I think most DFS players are nuts. Because I think even nerdy tech, like 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 uh, Nelson Adcock, he plays uh, he did at PGA. He's run like bankroll sims or whatever like that, and it's 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 quite likely. It's very it's quite likely. It's probably overwhelmingly likely that the top DFS players that you see today are only here due to survivorship bias. Not saying that they're 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 bad. I'm just saying that if there were ten of if it, there were ten of those types of people, same skill level, playing at their bankroll, that the percentage of bankroll that they play at, five go five go broke, six go broke, seven go broke, in the process, three don't, seven do. And we just see that we're now just seeing the three that 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 didn't out of a hundred. Seventy went broke. Same skill level, same exact skill level. Seventy already they went broke in two thousand nineteen. And we have two more that will go broke in twenty twenty. Right? What we see now is the thirty that are left. Same skill level. It's more. It's more likely like that. But you could be the greatest player if you, if you. The variance is so high, and if you're risking so much large percentage of bankroll, it's just inevitable that your likelihood of, of going broke is going to be it's going to be very, very likely. Me, I go in the other direction. I probably give it up money. Probably I could I could have been a little bit more aggressive, have more money in my bankroll, but my risk of ruin is very low. Daniel Hutchings says, one thing that my bankroll sims do not capture is the fact that I adjust my volume based on how I'm doing. Basically what Kelly would tell you to do. But many high players don't seem to do this. That's correct. They don't. Why do you think, why do you think I'm, I'm concerned? I, I don't think that I'm incorrectly conservative. In most of the, in most cases. Playing one per sub one or sub one percent of my bankroll on a slate. Even in the sports that I'm good at. If I can't get good action, why, 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 why? I don't get it. Why would I be playing five hundred dollar head to heads against Saramek in soccer? I can, but why? So there's some Saturdays where it's like, I've no I've no problem. If there was action available to play $10,000 a slate in cash games, 
on DraftKings and soccer on EPL or your Champions League. But I'm not going to fill up $10,000 and have it be, you know, Redcoat, Saramek, and Pew and Moneyball and the, the Regs. Fear my turtle here. Here at Roto Grinders. Why? Yeah, I could fill up 10000 if I wanted to, but there's no edge in that. So sometimes I'm only playing $800 on a Saturday EPL slate. Even though I'm willing to allocate up to $10,000. But some people, I see a lot of defenses, are like, nope, they fill up 10000 Who cares? I think that's wrong. I think that's incorrect. If you don't have an edge, why you play, why why would you, why would I be on FanDuel playing head to heads against love bases in, in baseball in the MLB? Why? Because they're there. They auto match. It seems stupid. You're both losing to the rake. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Just that you, you can't you can't be more that even the rake up there is like what six percent or something. I don't think you could be. I don't. I don't think there's enough of an there's enough of an edge. You both lose. Daniel says, got to grind those DK rewards, though. Yeah, you got to grind. You got to grind your tier credits or whatever the hell they're doing. I got my on. I, I chose my Onyx Elite reward, right? I got one credit. I thought it was an easy choice. I got the Apple stuff, right? What else am I doing? Do I need a grill? Do I need grilling equipment? No. Do I need a watch? I don't wear, I don't wear any jewelry. I don't care about a watch. A luxury watch. No, if, unless I'm selling it. There's some trip in there. I, if I wanted, oh, a trip to go see Ham, uh, Hamilton in New York. I've seen Hamilton here. I came from New York. I don't need that. There's really nothing there. There's nothing. Hey, I, I don't mind the apples. I'll t- I'll take I'll take the the Apple Watch. My wife my wife would she'll take the new the new Apple Watch. Right, she'll get an upgraded phone. Okay, so she can take that. Right, the iPad. I don't know what the maybe give to a. I don't know. We have cousins, kids. We could probably give the iPad to someone. I typically don't use an iPad. And the laptop, and the laptop I could use, right? So I have a desktop here. So 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 I could I could be at the poker room and make my MLB lineups. So I could have a nice MacBook Air to do that. So that, that's what I'm getting with my Onyx Elite here. Some people get the three credit stuff. They're going to St. Andrews. They're going to the Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah, good good for them that point i just gonna get stuff so i could sell on ebay right just give me the money just give me the money i don't need any of these gifts just give me the money I, 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 so much DraftKings stuff is ridiculous i got a yeti cooler with the DraftKings logo on it when am i ever going to use that the hell am i ever where, where am i going i got a refrigerator what do i need a cooler for I guess I, I whatever it is, it's, I typically all those rewards type of stuff. I just like it here. I just send the link to my wife and he goes, is there anything that you want? Okay, there you go. There it is. Because that's the first rule of DFS. Remember, don't worry about the 80-20 bankroll. Don't worry about it. The first rule of DFS is the first time that you win a significant amount of money, you bribe your significant other. That is the first rule of DFS. You should do that before all else. Even if you get lucky, even if you got lucky and you won 15 grand or something. You buy her or him or whatever. Buy them something for 500 bucks. They'll let you build lineups forever. 
right now 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 it's lineup building it's time to build the lineups you got an out you but you make it up we'll give you all the time in the world okay so if you got any more questions if you got any questions about bankroll management if you got any questions about variants and bankroll sims or whatever whatever you want to talk about or any other subject email me questions at theory of dfs.com and I will cover them on the show. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me those tummy thumbs. We need more likes. We need more subscribes. We need, we don't need notification bells, but it's nice to know when we go live. Programming note, there's going to be no show on Monday. No Monday with McCool. Uh, but you'll be driving home from Nashville, so we'll not be able to make it, but we'll be back. Right, we're heading into NBA All-Star break. So we've got people, I look at the teams now. I don't know who's on what. And there are a lot of people that are on their old team. It's like, what, didn't he used to play for that team? Now they traded for him again. And there's apparently second-round draft picks grow on trees or something. How many second-round draft picks are there? Seems like there's hundreds of them. But we'll be talking about that and other stuff next week because I'm here answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.